0: Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part one of my chat with Rachel Midori. Now Rachel Midori is someone who has worn many hats in her time and has many more to go in the future. Um, She is an ex-porn star, she is currently a wine sommelier, she's a suicide survivor, mental health spokesperson, alternative psychedelic medicine activist and also she's releasing a podcast which should be coming out about April time and that is going to be called Trauma Sauna. So she's done a lot of things in this conversation, so part one, we kind of steer off the ex-porn stuff because that is generally in part two, which will be out next week. So in this part, we speak about how Rachel broke her leg, because at the time recording this, she'd only recently broken her leg. Uh, We talk about her career as a wine sommelier and how she kind of learned to become one, you know, going into school and learning things about wine. We speak about her tattoos and the judgment she gets from that, her views on psychedelic and cannabis-based medicine, uh, Rachel's definition of her own sexuality. She identifies as queer, so I asked for some sort of information about that because I haven't had the term queer explicitly explained to me so I wanted that and that's kind of where the conversation goes in part one uh, as I said part two will be out next week and that's where we delve into the whole conversation about porn and her time in there she's an incredibly interesting individual there's so much more to her than just her you know being a mattress actress past there's so much more to her than that and there's so many more cool things in her future as well I can tell but if you are clamoring for that part two and you can't wait at all then you can support me on Patreon, where the full unsplit version of this conversation is all on Patreon right now. You can become a supporter for as little as £2 a month, which I think is $3 to you Americans, and you get access to unsplit episodes of Genuine Chit Chat and also the exclusive Patreon Afterthoughts show as well that I do with Megan, but I will give more information of that at the end so guys that's enough rambling for me there's not going to be any promos today but you know what you could do is it's rachel's birthday on the 8th of march which is the day after releasing this And i know a lot of you guys don't fully listen for a couple of days but if anyone is listening on the 8th of march or a little bit before that wish rachel a happy birthday say it's from us i've included the uh, social media for rachel in the description of this episode it is just at rachel midori on twitter instagram and on facebook i know she would appreciate that a lot and after you listen to this conversation as well if you feel like it you know send her a message tweet out her tell her how cool she is (laughs) because it would i know it would mean a lot to her and it would mean a lot to me as well so just want to say thank you guys for listening as always and i will be back at the end of this part just to give you more information of part two what's coming up my patreon my other show and a few other bits and pieces too but all of that information as always is in the description slash the show notes of this episode and I also want to quickly mention guys really sorry that when I recorded this episode with Rachel I record over zoom I just forgot to press record for the first 30 seconds or so I record my end locally but obviously the guest is always on zoom so for the first 30 seconds or so Rachel's answers weren't recorded I've managed to edit it so it doesn't sound jarring in my opinion and that you don't really miss that much it was more just the first few seconds of Rachel sort of introducing herself so I do want to apologize for me being a pleb but I do not feel that it takes away from the conversation at all and after the first few 30 seconds you know there is no problem there at all. So just want to clarify that to you guys. Sorry to Rachel. And uh, yeah, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. I am here today with Rachel Midori. Rachel, it's absolutely wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for joining. I realized before recording, I never even explained how I had heard of you. You actually were on a very short part of a podcast of my friends. It was called uh, "Fears and Desires" by a guy called um, Issa, and he's awesome. He because of lockdown, a few other things as well. He hasn't um, continued with the podcast just because you know it's quite a lot, quite a lot of things to do a podcast. So it, when you have something that takes up a lot of time, it becomes difficult to to do that. But he was, you were on there. And I remember that was really early days for this podcast um, that I heard you on there. And I was like, okay. And I remember, you know, sort of looking you up and you had a website and things. And I remember thinking, this would be a really interesting conversation. I'll have to hit her up at some point. And then this is what, two years later? (laughs) In my mind, just put a pin in that and then just leave it for ages. And then when I'm kind of, looking at the new year for 2021, I was like, who do I want to get on the podcast this year? Who do I want to kind of talk to? And I was like, you know what? I haven't, I still haven't contacted Rachel. So obviously I reached out, you responded and here we are. So how are you doing in general?
1: You know, after the year of hell that was 2020, I'm, this is not that bad. Like having to live with my parents with a broken leg is easy peasy for me right now so generally i'm doing good physically i'm like 75 percent, but everything else i'm kind of i'm hanging in there i'm trying to i mean i get sad sometimes because everybody does but i'm hanging in there
0: yeah especially in this sort of situation i mean as you say you know going through you know a divorce especially is quite a, a, a big thing and i know other people who during lockdown have had either major issues in their relationships or have split up as well for other reasons and things but out of interest with your broken leg i don't think i asked do you mind me asking how you broke it So
1: I wish I had a cool story, like a really cool story. (laughs) I have a really shitty story. Um, I was walking across the road to get into my Uber and I was like, I should use the crosswalk. And I didn't because I live in New York and there's no point using a crosswalk in New York. So I walked across the street, I was like turning to get into the Uber and I slid almost under it. And it's just ice and like normally you would think it's fine but the way i slid my hands didn't catch my fall my ass didn't catch my fall like nothing caught my fall except my left leg slipped right under my butt and all my weight snapped my leg in half um and as soon as it happened like the scream i let out was i've never heard myself scream like that before like a lady down the block heard it and ran over and she was the one who like made sure i wasn't dead and like the Uber driver like came out and looked at me and he was like, are you okay? And I'm like, you can leave. And he was like, oh, okay, bye. And he left. Like, I didn't think he'd actually leave. I thought he'd stay with me. I'm in the middle of the fucking street. Um, and this lady stayed with me and then this cop saw. So he came around and um, I was a little mad because he was hot. And he was holding my hand. And when the EMTs came, like they had to snap my ankle back into place and they had to move my bones, even though they were cracked. And they had to straighten everything out. And he was hot and he was holding my hand and I was looking at his beautiful blue eyes and I was like, fuck a cab!" but thank you for letting me get through this. Um, I appreciate you. And then the little, the lady behind me was like, you're a strong woman, you can do this. I was like, that's what I need right now. Um, and they snapped my bones back into place. And now I went to emergency surgery a week ago and they installed a bunch of plates and screws. So I'm a fucking cyborg now.
0: That's the best next step, isn't it? You're ahead of the curve.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to get full cyborg soon.
0: That's all you need. That's it. That's the next stage. Yeah. I'd like to have one of those arms, which you can just kind of, it's like a Swiss army knife where you can just like, one's got a bottle opener, but you can press it and like the fingers go in and come out with something else crazy.
1: Exactly. I need. you know what, like I'm trying to gear up for the zombie apocalypse and Mm. that's the kind of thing that I would, I would need to survive. So it's just, I think it's just a basic human necessity at this point
0: yeah i mean totally and to be fair with uh breaking my breaking a leg and things i was saying before we pressed uh, record i broke my leg when i was eight years old Uh, i was riding a bike with my dad and i pedaled around a corner on this little racetrack that was meant to be for go-karts and i just i came off it at such a weird angle my shin i broke the same bones you broke but i always pronounce them wrong is it fibula and tibula or is it tibia and fibula
1: tibia and fibula It's such a beautiful picture. It's like a nice little boy and his dad like riding their bikes. It's going to be a great day. (laughs) And then it wasn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then my shin wraps around the middle bar of the bike.
1: Oh, I feel for you. That was probably so traumatic for such a young child.
0: Yeah. And I remember that was before like uh, mobile phones or for the American listeners and yourself, cell phones before they were a thing. So... My dad, I remember, my mum was there as well watching and um, I was laying on the floor and dad was like, you get up and things. And I was like, I can't. And you could just about see the bone oh, under the skin no. pushing. Yeah, it was pretty horrendous. And he had to like run in the distance and climb over a fence to knock on people's doors to find oh, someone who was in, to be able to call an ambulance. And yeah, I went, I remember they had to put me under, um, uh, under uh, local anaesthetic, I think it was, all whichever one puts you to sleep. And they did that and they had to snap my bone back into place there to re-break it so it would grow back properly uh so was on crutches for 10 weeks i think it was
1: that's so horrible yeah i think mine's probably gonna take probably around that amount of time but like at least you had like i don't know you had like your dad was there he wouldn't got a neighbor like i had two i had three things i had a cop who i have a love hate relationship with cops living in new york city and i had this amazing, beautiful lawyer woman who was taking pictures of everything and like texting them to me. So I would have confirmation that, I don't know, I could sue someone. And then I have this crackhead that comes by and he goes, girl, you hit your head. You can't hit your head, but don't move it. When you break a bone, don't move it. And the crackhead's telling the cop to get some cardboard. So I'm not on the ice. So like, it was just this beautiful community moment of white lawyers and cops and crackheads. It was really, it was, (laughs) it was really unifying um yeah
0: well sometimes it's it's one of those kind of darker ways of looking at things is that i know it wasn't necessarily quite as dramatic as a tragedy but like the worst things happen to people generally brings out the best things in people
1: i guess so. i mean your dad was probably really fast at running and you know fixing broken legs when he realized that you were really in danger.
0: yeah yeah it was uh it was pretty speedy i mean just watching it's pretty much the only memory i really have is looking down at my leg and seeing the bone seeing the bike ah! and then seeing him yeah that was uh, a lot of fun but so i would ask how would you like because you've got um well you've had your finger in many pies essentially for like job jobs and careers and all kinds of other things so what what are you sort of generally doing now what would what you almost class your own resume as rather than myself trying to label it
1: so, I'm a sommelier and I'm like basically, I work with two restaurants. So, I'm the service manager, um, which means I make sure that our service standards stay high. Um, I'm the wine director. So, I'm in charge of helping with both, create both wine lists and keep those going. Um, and I'm the sommelier for a fine dining establishment. Um, so, I mean, when my leg goes back to normal, I'll be able to work the floor. But essentially, I'm in charge of the two wine programs for a restaurant in Brooklyn and a restaurant in Manhattan.
0: Wow I see and what made you want to sort of go into that realm of a profession?
1: Um, I mean there's a couple things when I got out of the adult industry I had always known bars and restaurants because that's something I'd always done so I ended up working at a fine dining spot in Los Angeles and I had a small job there I was like a back waiter or a polisher or something and I just did a really good job and I eventually, like, worked my way up and enjoyed it, and I became a captain, which is, like, a server highest position, because in fine dining, they have different levels, and then I became the expediter, which was, like, the best thing I could do besides become a chef, which I would never do, because I can't cook shit, um, but I became the expediter, and that was huge for me, and I wanted to start working with wine, because I would always see the sommelier, and I was so, like, baffled by it. it was crazy that people would spend this amount of money on it. It was crazy that it went with such different foods. It was just cool to me and um, the head Somalier there was this really strong independent woman and I always looked up to her. so I asked her if I could help and I basically like broke down boxes in the cellar for a while. Uh, she taught me about wine and then another Somali I'd met in Los Angeles said leave everything, go to New York, go to school and figure it out and I was like, okay. And I'm from New York. Like, I lived here when I was 18. I only lived in L.A. for a couple of years. years. Um, so I've been in New York almost 15 years. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 years. I can do math. Um, so 10 years in New York. And so I was comfortable moving back. Um, and I went to three different schools. And then... I started working as the sommelier for this company. Well, I worked as a sommelier at a different restaurant, but that was a shit show job. I didn't like it. So then I started working for this company and um, they gave me free range of the first restaurant and now I get to help out with the second one. So
0: Mm. I
1: just drank a lot of wine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I see. I mean, wine is one of those things where the, I think it's the number one alcohol for not to, not to uh, ridicule you or anything like that, but snobbery, like to put it bluntly. It's like the wine is the Absolutely. one. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. So how, how does one, like, because I don't know much about wine at all. I know a few names of them and vague general ideas of flavour and that's about it, but I'm not really a wine drinker. Both my parents were, but I'm not really. So what is it, like, it, when you, you said you went to sort of school to learn about that that sort of aspect, was it a, more so about the the wine itself? What did you actually sort of learn?
1: So it depends on the school. So when I went to the American Sommelier Association, which is the longest program I've been in, they teach you about everything. So they're teaching about the history of wine, who brought grapes where, like what routes did they travel? What's the actual like geographical history of it? And then they're teaching you the science behind it, like how a grape can get broken down and made into alcohol. And then they're teaching you social aspects, like how certain wines affect certain centuries and certain like cultures um, and then there's other ones where you are just learning about grapes. So you're learning that this grape looks like this, smells like this, tastes like this, um, when it's made from this area. So like this Chilean Syrah tastes like this, looks like this, always looks like this usually, but you know, this French Syrah tastes completely different, looks completely different, but it's the same grape. Um, so those are kind of the two things you're learning. You're learning everything that it affects in the actual world and just what it actually is. Cause it's always changing. Like I have tasted shit that I could have sworn I knew what it was, and it was something I'd never heard of, which <laughs> will always happen. Like, that's the thing with snobbery and, like, being a sommelier. And, I mean, a lot of people don't expect to am one when I talk to them because, like, of my, all my tattoos and, like, that I have a neck tattoo and that I have a sleeve and everything. Um, and also just the way that I dress sometimes. But it is super snobby. Like, when I went to school – there's a couple of schools I specifically don't like because it's like very male, white male dominated, um, which is super infuriating. So it is, it can still be a really pretentious, it's just a really pretentious industry, honestly, because people are dealing with things like that are thousands of years old and have all this tradition. And it's usually a wealthy person thing. Like I come from a pretty like poor family. So this is not normal for me. I worked my ass off to like go to three schools. Um, so I'm just kind of trying to break that pretentious idea of it. Like I know my shit, but I don't look like I know my shit, which is fine. Like, I think I look pretty dull.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, your tattoos are fantastic and things. And like, that's one of the, the sort of little p- talking points I kind of noted down was with tattoos. Um, I've got, um, a few on my arm as well. I've got like half a sleeves worth. Um, do you want to see them? Like, I can- <laughs> you, don't, you don't have I to. Yeah. Okay. Well people on I'll have to put them on um, Instagram or so I think they're on social media somewhere, but they're kind of They're both Star Wars tattoos. That's oh my the god, thing. they're so, so Right. I'm gonna have to edit this part out because it's gonna be oh, so uh terrible oh for the listeners. God. But, oh.
1: They're so how wow how wait, how long ago did you get that
0: one? Uh that one I got about how oh, how old am I? Uh, I think I got it about four years ago. I think, yeah, this one was about four years ago.
1: It's
0: so powerful. Um, yeah, and obviously Darth Vader there and, and Bjorn Anakin. And then the one on my arm, which is kind of hard. This
1: to... one I love. The blue is so fucking cool.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to be, I think the bottom half of my arm is going to be blue and the top half is going to be red and the top half is going to have like Kylo Ren and Darth Maul and that sort of thing on it and the bottom half, I don't oh, know, Ahsoka and stuff probably. But, I'm a massive Star Wars nerd and my other podcast is a Star Wars podcast. So, you know, I kind of have to. I
1: wish I could say I've seen Star Wars, but I have yet to do. I think I tried once. Uh, I may have to try again because I really feel like I'm missing out because everyone's so excited about it. So I think I'm going to try and watch it again. I mean, I'm disabled now, so I I have plenty of time to watch Star Wars
0: i mean it's just like watching a series like when you watch like i saw something online which is like you know breaking bad is like 50 something hours you know game of thrones yeah. is like 60 or 70 and it's like all of those sort of series are huge amounts it's like all the star wars films there's 11 movies out uh and they're each between two and two and a half hours in general so there's it's about 30 to 40 hours which isn't that much in lockdown in normal time it was
1: <laughs> oh, yeah well back like back before i would binge like blacklists in a day mm.
0: So. Well, exactly. Um but with, with styles, I totally get when some people say they have they haven't watched it or made the leap because the problem is there's a couple of the entry films are not the best. Um but, but all my listeners have heard me talk about styles far too much. So with you and your tattoos, what um what are they? Like you don't have to tell me every single one of them, but are there any that specifically mean a lot to you or anything like that or just cool? Called- um, I
1: don't really Well, this one, my hand one does. So this is a kraken that mm. Um, me and my younger sibling got together. Um, so they came to visit and we had lunch and we hung out and everything. And when them and I get together, like, we just do crazy shit. Cause we feel like it. So they were like, Hey, do you want to get matching tattoos? Hmm. And I was like, yeah, but like, you can pick it out, but just don't pick anything crazy. And like, they were picking out like rats and like creepy looking shit. And I'm like, okay, you have to pick something like I'm getting this on my hands. Cause now if someone's going to pay for my tattoo, like someone's going to see it, like I'm not going to get a hidden tattoo that someone else paid for. So they were like, I'll pay for it. Um, so they picked out the Kraken and they have one on their right bicep. And I have this one on my hand and they're exactly the same. So that one I like, um, I like my neck tattoo. Like that was a huge, just thing that I saved up for myself. Like while I was going through, like my divorce and my kind of, you know, figuring out myself. And it was always something I wanted since I was very little, but I'm really glad I was able to execute it. Um, Besides that, I have a Bible verse on my back that, like, I want to get rid of just because I don't like believe in the Bible, mm. but I want to keep it because the message is kind of nice. Um, But besides that, th- I just get the shit because I want to look like a fairy. Like, <laughs> I just want to look like a like a weird emo fairy, like so. I just keep coloring in my skin and like adding flowers and spider webs and shit.
0: I mean, why not? I mean, I'm literally covering my entire left arm in praise of a Star Wars franchise. So, I mean, of a sci fi
1: franchise.
0: God. Why not? You know, I I don't know what else I'm gonna get yet.
1: Oh, it.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm gonna. I have i have always fighting with myself of what I'm going to get when I eventually finish the Star Wars sleeve as well and what other tattoos to get on there. It's like, but the good thing is, is that while I'm locked down, the options are limited. And also it's like, I, I take out a small amount of money each month and just put it in cash in a pile in my room. And then when that's enough, then I get a tattoo. Yes,
1: the tattoo starts
0: Exactly, yeah. So um I love that. And also with tattoos, have you found that, in your life, because um, it's rude to ask a lady her age, but you're not much older than I am, I think. You don't have to say... Yeah,
1: I'm turning 28 and in a couple weeks. Yeah. March 8th is my birthday. <laughs> oh,
0: well, March 16th is my birthday, so I'm turning 27 uh, in a You're Pisces? I am, yes.
1: So am I. I'm a fucking psychopath.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have I turned the the psycho fire within me into just burning passion for things I enjoy. So I'm just like a super nerd when it comes to everything I like. I'm really into. That's how I kind of focus the insanity.
1: Well, thank God. At least one of us knows how to handle what's going on up here.
0: <laughs> so with that in, in sort of with that, do you find that people you mentioned that you kind of lightly touched upon it with uh, obviously being in the realm of wine but like do you find people generally judge you for having tattoos especially the neck tattoo as well it is not as common still in certain places
1: um i don't really get judged for it um i mean maybe maybe if i did some like highbrow competition i'd get judged in it but i don't have interest in doing things like that like that would just be boring to mm. me um but things are just so much more progressive now. Like my boss, obviously like I speak with him because also being a manager, like I am the face when people like see the restaurant, sometimes if the GM isn't there. Um, So I have to like, kind of be like, is this okay? And he's always like supportive as long as it's not offensive. So I don't really think I offend people in my industry as much. I just think they're kind of like, it's cool to be a song, but also like, be kind of laid back because sometimes they can be pretty stuffy, especially in New York city. Um, So I just think it's fun, but I don't think I get judged for it. Even if I did, like, I don't fucking, I don't care. (laughs) Like, what are they going to do? Take away my job. Like, people can judge all they want like i like it i think it's fun i think it's the people like i think it's creepy people that bother me the most like men who are like you look so much more gorgeous without it on you and i'm like that's i'm so like that's another reason i'm glad i have it like it's it's so gross Hmm. but yeah besides unnecessary comments from like old people like in the industry
0: and stuff I think I'm fine yeah I've had like I mean I think there are quite a few older people like even my some of my family who are lovely they're just like oh I just don't understand why you'd get a tattoo and it's like well my arm is completely blank I have to see it all the fucking time if I want to put a cool (laughs) Star Wars scene there then I'm going to it's better than seeing just my bland skin with hair follicles like why the fuck wouldn't I (laughs) it's like hey do you want all your walls in your house to be blank do you only wear white t-shirts everywhere no well then there's your answer because things look cool it's why humans do so much of what we do
1: I know. I know. We just want to look fucking awesome. Sorry, if I move around a lot, it's because my foot starts to fucking fall asleep.
0: It's fine. Well, you can't hear anything, so I don't think the listeners will be bothered. And I don't record – well, it technically is recording video, but I don't use the video, so you don't have to worry about um, that sort of thing. And so uh, one thing as well that um, I wanted to ask about is there's something specifically it was on your website and whatnot, which is about alternative medicine. And I'm intrigued by your sort of uh, your thoughts and your your take on that sort of thing. It was more so, you know, I said alternative. I meant, you know, cannabis and psychedelics. I just wondered what your general opinion and what you sort of had to say about that.
1: Um, so there's kind of two facets to that. So there's cannabis, which I feel like most people are on the same page on that it should be. I mean, I'm hoping most people are realizing that nobody belongs in jail for cannabis. That nobody should be, you know. Like held accountable for owning cannabis in their own home if they're doing it safely. Um, So I think most sane people are on the page there. Mm -hmm. So cannabis advocacy is a given. So it helps my anxiety Um, when I don't want to take anxiety pills, which I don't want to take all the time. I like to smoke. I don't have an app. It's really difficult for me to eat sometimes because I struggle with my weight sometimes. So it helps me with eating and um, makes sure that I do eat. So I make sure I always have healthy snacks. So that has just improved my life in general. Like it helps my depression. Like it just helps me, you know, get out of this funk, you know, that I'm in sometimes. So that's cannabis. I really feel like unless you're absolutely out of your mind, I don't know, like, you live under a rock like you don't agree with that hmm. now alternative psychedelic medicine is different because people are scared of psychedelics people hear acid and they're like oh my god i'm going to have schizophrenia <laughs> that's actually you like you can't get schizophrenia from acid you get schizophrenia from pcp two completely different drug chemicals that have nothing to do with each other Um, so there's like these three waves of psychedelics There's the first wave, which this, um, this is how the organized, the organization, the third wave, um, talks about psychedelics actually was on their podcast, um, a little while ago. It's called the third So essentially the way they describe it is there's three waves of psychedelia. There is the first wave, which is the indigenous people who are using it for spiritual practices and healing. The second wave, which was the 60s, which is, you know, the hippies and everybody using it in this huge cultural change and the feminist movement and the war and music and it changed everything. But then the government shut it down because it started to affect people in the ways that psychedelics affect people. So they shut that shit down and they created the war on drugs and, you know, then they fucking made everything go downhill. I was actually just watching um, a documentary on the crack epidemic. So that came after. So it was this whole shit show making demonizing drugs. Um, and then there's the third wave, which is what we're doing now. And which is testing things like psilocybin and LSD on PTSD patients from war, um, doing it with doing MDMA and emotional therapy and, um, couples therapy using LSD to help with depression, uh, and alcoholism, uh, which has been a huge breakthrough is helping with alcoholism. And that's, that's really what like made me realize what, you know, I'm kind of doing on my own is really, it's going to be something someday. And I, I want to get involved somehow where it's actually a part of my life legally. Um, But I mean, I'd have to be a fucking doctor for that. Um, But even ketamine, like I've done ketamine before, and I have a friend who owns a ketamine clinic in Miami. And it does wonder for people that are victims and have PTSD and, So what I do is besides smoking is I microdose psilocybin. I used to microdose LSD, um, but I microdose psilocybin. So I'll take it every two days, every three days, I'll take a tiny little pinch of it. Um, I'll weigh it, I'll put it in my tea or I'll just like have a little spoon and it makes my mood go up. Um, it helps with my episodes and helps me keep me even, um, since I'm bipolar, unfortunately I haven't done it in two months, three months and two months ago or a month and a half ago is when I had my suicide attempt. So there's always a pattern of when I stop microdosing to when I start to get a little more fractured and my bipolar goes back to the, um, the episodes that presented itself all of my life when I was younger, since I was like 14. So by Using the microdosing of the shrooms, it actually is able to connect the receptors in my brain that aren't connected because when the bipolar creates the imbalance, I don't behave like a normal human being.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, you said a lot there and it's fantastic because I, one of the things I like to say is when people aren't aware is exactly what you pointed out, you know, with things like MDMA and uh, well, a lot of psychedelics is the sort of big grouping is, is helping people and the way they were first introduced in a lot of ways was to help people and then obviously they came to the, the main market and things and then all the issues go along with that and then they become illegal and then, you know, the drug war, I, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist but the drug war is the biggest conspiracy ever because it's um, LSD was introduced in America by the american government by the cia because they literally heard about russians doing this super soldier air quote sort of project trying to brainwash people uh, with this new chemical that was i think developed in switzerland or it might be sweden but i think it's switzerland and then they went and bought the entire world supply of acid and then started testing it on american citizens by uh, using it on uh, people who had severe mental illnesses and things um, who are uh, i can't remember the term it's the as- asylum was what they used to call it at that time. Institutionalized—that was the a better way of saying it. People like that, but they were unknowing. They would get people, put them in straitjackets who had schizophrenia, lock them in a dark yeah. room, and play like a loop of like seven oh seconds.
1: Oh God! No. Dose them
0: with uh, acid to try and brainwash them to turn them into a Manchurian Candidate sort of situation. And this is called MK Ultra. This is what the whole uh, thing was about. And what they did—some of the people, the public could also volunteer, and some of the public did. And one of the guys who volunteered enjoyed it so much, he would begin, then became one of the biggest distributors of acid throughout the, I think it was the 60s or 70s. And so because of them bringing it and buying it all and bringing it over to America and testing loads of people, they brought acid, the thing they now class as being illegal, to their own country. And that's what America oh. do constantly.
1: Oh, well, that's what America does with most things, is we mm. fuck everything up for ourselves ourselves. And then like we try and blame other people. Like That's just what our country does. <laughs> that's why I fucking hate it here. That's why I have an internship in Spain because I'm moving my ass to Valencia. Like I don't respect anything going on over here. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's scary, you know, because I think everyone should drop a tab of acid once in their life before yeah, they agree. die. With a trips that are with someone who they're comfortable with. But it's just the fact that you have to actually convince people it's good. You know, I remember having a conversation with a family member and they're like, they're complete, like very religious, whatever. And they're completely against cannabis, completely against psychedelic therapy, completely against alternative medicine. And they said that if I could have cannabis in a pill-shaped form, I would take it. I'm like, it's literally not even a, it's not, it's not critical thinking for you. It's just... It has to look like it's coming from a pharmacy, which are actually worse. Like I would trust like Frank down the street who grows weed more than I would trust like some pharmaceutical company giving me shit. But people actually think like that. Like that's my own family member. That's like, I think cannabis is dangerous. You never know what potheads are going to do, but I would trust it. If it looked like a little pill, I'm like, that's not how it works. Just go roll a joint. Please.
0: Well, it's also like, you know, if you even like things like uh, codeine or cocodamol or a lot of the, obviously you guys over there have a lot of issues with opiates and things. And if you take oh, a big oh. handful of them, you're gone. Like we, there's drugs that we could do over here with that you can buy in a pharmacy and things, but you could take a handful of an, a try and try an OD. But I think it was, no one has ever died directly from cannabis in the sense of ODing because the, I think they worked it out. There's, there's something called, uh, I should know the name of it. I should have written it down, but it's basically um, the amount that you need to take on average that would kill someone and there's a certain amount of grams of pure heroin pure coke whatever they said the amount of cannabis it would take for you to die would almost be your body weight and your brain could before you'd even get to that point your brain will fully reject it if you keep smoking enough weed eventually you will just throw up when you've had too much and it's impossible to smoke enough or to eat enough to get you to the level that could kill you before your entire body rejects it so it's literally impossible to die from so it's just like
1: it's, it, and it And it's important, like one time, okay, so this is a funny story. One time I accidentally overdosed my ex-husband, you know, and I loved him so much at the time. And I felt so bad at the time. And like, we got this like oil because I couldn't sleep and I couldn't afford my meds that helped me sleep at night with my insomnia. So I was like, I'm going to get some weed. I live in LA. I can do this. And I got some weed and I had taken some of my tea and my ex-husband had asked what it was. And I told him what it was. He was like, can you give me a dose? And I thought, and I was so high, but I didn't realize that I was handling it well, which is a note in itself. And I thought it said seven dropperfuls, not seven drops. A dropperful is like this, was like four four inches from that bottle. And a drop would be like, I don't know, a fucking drop of water, like a teardrop. <laughs> I gave him seven dropper oh in a drink. Oh, my God. We had to call the ambulance. We called the paramedics. He thought he was dying. I felt so bad at the time. I was crying. And then the paramedics were like, well, he's just on weed. And I'm like, check his vitals. Make like, sure he's not dying. And they're like, no, he's not. He's just having a panic attack because he smoked too much weed. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I felt so bad at the time. And, um, yeah, it was just really, it was really funny, but you can't overdose on it. Like it can't, it can't have, like I've smoked too much to where I puked when I was stupid and I was young. And like, I was just like, I can do all the drugs, even though like I did them all and they all suck besides weed. Um, and, and kind of mean, and I went around and, I threw up but i've never died i don't think anybody like it's so upsetting you know they prescribed me opioids for my leg since it's broken and i needed them the first week and i still do need them sometimes only for when i'm trying to sleep and the pain is really bad but you know i can smoke or if i can take some oils like the pain isn't as bad you could be giving this to so many more people than giving them opioids, you know. And you're very right; they're so dangerous, and they can they can they can fucking kill you.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's one of those things over here. It's the legality of weed is actually quite a weird gray area because CBD, um, which is I, I take CBD every day, it's legal. They sell it in shops over here up to a certain percentage, so you can just buy it. And so they're they're understanding that CBD has a huge amount of medical benefits and things, um, which is really cool. But then with cannabis it's the police over here have on their this is the weirdest thing on their facebook pages about two years ago the police all unanimously basically came out and said we don't care about weed anymore unless you have over an ounce on you which if people who don't know i'm not saying that i know but people who don't know that's quite a lot to have just carrying around with you outside like you wouldn't go to the park necessarily with a whole ounce you know that's a lot um so like even if you've got that amount they still won't, you know, try and do you um, in a sense because the amount of paperwork, the sheer literal amount that you'd actually get charged for having weed on you, it's just so much effort and and it's a waste of police resources. Now, if you're out in the public smoking a joint somewhere public and a police goes past, they'll probably confiscate it from you and maybe even fine you. But over here, it's one of those weird things where it's like, no, it's not legal. And you can even buy, you know, the the uh, non-psychoactive, non-psychoactive, that was it. Because that's just THC is just am I right? It's tetrahydroxycannabidiol and CBD. I think is cannabidiol. So it's like the this THC is what gets you high, and the CBD is just what gives you most of the other benefits. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's weird that over here everyone's like, well, you can't. It's illegal. But if you do, there's no real repercussions.
1: <laughs> what I'm really excited about that story is that your police officers decide to communicate with the community via facebook i think that's very amazing mm. um and i think that's i think that's the greatest shit i've ever heard because that's <laughs> a really cool
0: thing yeah over here we, when we hear about all of the uh issues going on in america you know there's there's countless different ones obviously police brutality is a very big issue over there especially due to the systematic racism and all that sort of aspects of it but over here we don't I'm not saying we don't have systematic racism that we don't have racist cops or bad cops but there's a big difference in the way our policing is to over where you guys are and I feel like not to turn this into a gun debate in any way but I feel like a part of it might be because you know if our police officers generally speaking if our police officers pull someone over they don't worry they're going to get a gun pulled on them and get shot. They're just like, oh, this person maybe have like, you know, a cricket bat or something. Like there are guns in England, like I'm being facetious, but there's not that same worry. And then because over there in America, anyone can have a gun, that means that all the police basically, especially when they're untrained and don't know how to handle situations and stereotype people and, and you know, racially profile them wrongly, they make, they escalate a lot of the time their own situations that then cause a lot of the other problems. And it's just a mess. <laughs>
1: it's a no yeah it's a shit show actually um no it's 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 a complete mess i remember you know watching some videos and a couple of documentaries on gun violence and um different countries and how they handle certain things and i remember this woman telling a story that she had been traveling and i forget what country i think she was in germany and she had gotten pulled over for speeding and she was an american but she was just visiting her holiday and she was shaking, like visibly shaking and scared. And like, the police are like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And then they looked at her ID and they were like, they literally said like, I need to find the video. They literally said like, you're not in America. Like, we're not going to hurt you. And that hit very close to home because I feel that way every time. Well, when I had a car, since I live in the city now, I don't need one. But when I had a car, that's how it felt. You know, maybe not that I was going to get murdered. Definitely that I was going to get arrested, Um, that's partially due to cops, that's partially due to me. Um, But I never felt safe. I never felt like they were going to take care of me. And that's not even to speak on um, people of color and um, indigenous uh, people and how that must feel because that's a fear I can't even understand. But it's definitely a huge problem. And, you know, people people don't take it seriously like you have all these people who are right-wing gun-toting people you have all these people on the far left who are like nobody should have a weapon you know I grew up shooting I grew up with a shotgun I grew up with my dad teaching me how to take apart nine millimeters and 357s and he paid for me to get trained by an uh, ex-NRA officer when I was you know 14, 15 years old and he used to take me to the range. Like I'm very much trained in using guns and being familiar with using them since I was a child. And I was always kind of that gun toting second amendment. Like you can't take my guns from me. But my whole thing is like, why do we need AR-15s? Like why does anybody need mem- weapons, that uh, weapons of, you know, mass destruction that could murder hundreds of hundreds of people? why is that necessary? And then they say it's necessary to overthrow the government. I'm like, okay, I get that, but we're not overthrowing the government. We already like, it's just not happening right now. Like if everybody could just calm the fuck down, maybe own a handgun, maybe have a carry permit if you're under serious danger, but like get rid of all the other shit. Like it's so pointless. Like why can I go to Pennsylvania and buy a AR-15 And go buy an extended mag online and go murder a bunch of people. Like, it's absolutely, it's asinine and it's so stupid. And that's not even to mention the fact that cops are not trained adequately to be police officers. You need more training to be in the military. You need more training to be a teacher than you do to be a police officer. They aren't trained in diffusing situations, they're trained in escalating and getting it over as soon as possible. And like, this would just go into a whole rant if we even went into the fact that. Cops were created for systemic and systematic racism to bring people of color and buy indigenous people of color down. So it's, it's just a whole fucking mess. Like I said, Valencia, two years, ain't coming back, marrying somebody there, not happening, not coming back here
0: well that's fine i mean if you go over to spain that's fine because that's not far from here so then if we ever went over to spain could go say hi to you because yeah megan Megan speaks fluent spanish so that's my partner she's yeah so she'd be sorted over there she used to live in spain for a little bit as well so it's just and her family are italian so there's no excuse so let us know you go over there we'll do a european trip we'll swing by (laughs) hey there
1: is that your wife or your girlfriend
0: (laughs) a girlfriend girlfriend i'm
1: gonna have to borrow her for a few months in spain sorry
0: that's fine yeah i'll tell her i'll Uh, that's not a problem at all right yeah well, she, she's she been like um she's known as my self-proclaimed co-host because she occasionally just pops up on uh, my podcast and sometimes and so so many people have heard her on podcasts then a couple of friends of mine said oh can i come on your podcast like, yeah, yeah oh but only if megan's on <laughs> okay cool so like my friend tonya she's been on three times and before she came on the third time she was like can you bring megan on please i want to talk to megan so i was like okay
1: megan's Popular. she's
0: great yeah
1: okay i'm gonna bring megan on a totally non-romantic date in valencia in two years
0: that's fine. Do it. She would absolutely love that. And also, you've got dogs as well, and she loves dogs. And well, I lo- we both love dogs, but she are you trying
1: to set me up with your girlfriend?
0: Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she she's uh, she's not that way inclined of unfortunately, but um, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's funny. She's she has got a a friend at work, um, a female friend at work who is a lesbian, and she specifically like I always joke with Megan. I say like I would never worry that you'd cheat on me with a guy, but with Kerry i think you probably would like because she's that they're, they're that kind of closeness and things. And i've got to of my bradley and she says the same about us like that we're like a gay couple and it's just it's one of those it's fun things uh like that so yeah go trying if you can turn her then congratulations you know you can probably do better I things to her than night. i can
1: <laughs> I'm, turning, I'm turning the straight girls in the night <laughs>
0: That's it. That that's the ploy. That's what the that's what all the far right people are concerned about, isn't it? It's all the yeah. anyone who's not straight you're trying to turn everyone else with your ideologies.
1: Oh yeah, I mean they like it's a weird thing, you know. First of all, the ideology of turning somebody getting <laughs> here is it's borderline. It's it, it is crazy. It's kind of like it it's kind of like thinking we're infecting them, or thinking that we can turn someone. You can't turn someone that way. You know, you are that way. That's just who you are. And it can be fluid. It can change. It can be very many things. But the idea that you can turn someone into being attracted to a certain type of person is so asinine that I can't even, I can't even believe it. Like I'm, it's, I've had ways too of these discussions with people that, you know, I've spent time with, you know, in my family and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's too much. It's so, it's so crazy.
0: It baffles me because, like, I'm to clarify, I am straight. But one of the things is that I've said, like, when I was single, especially, if you could, if I could flick a switch and it would make me get, uh, make me buy, or well, pan, I would do it. Like, why? Like, I've always been like, why would, why would not, ev- why would everyone not want to be buy? Like, why would you not, or pan rather? Like, why would you not want to just like, especially when you're not in a sort of long term relationship or anything like that? Why would you not want to try? all the food Every all of the food on the sexual palette like why would you not like me personally like I'm not into dudes but it's not because I don't like the physique of dudes necessarily like Chris Hemsworth Bradley Cooper there are so many dudes who, and Brian Molkov, placebo a lot of guys who are either rugged or androgynous or whatever they are stunning they are gorgeous and it all looks great to me until you get to the crotch because dicks be gross they're awful and there's nothing no matter they're gross and there's nothing to me like my wine is gross it, they are no thank you like I totally understand women when they're bi or lesbians or anything. Like yeah, because men's another reason to brim.
1: It's it's gross to a lot of us, <laughs> <laughs> but. I know it's, I don't understand it. You know, I switch between, you know, what, am I bi? Am I pan? Am I a, am I lesbian? Am I gay? Like, it's always this whole thing. And that's why I just consider myself queer. You know, I, I tend to have an emotional attraction to women more. And I tend to just use men for that ugly crotch area. Um, <laughs> but because I'm kind of still finding myself, I'm free to do that. But, you know, I do, I don't understand why people like think it's weird or don't want it like that just opens up like if guys are always complaining about not getting a shot in at the club like open up your options like 50 percent like go for the other team go for the same team like you're going home with somebody at that point because you just got 100 people 100 extra people like on your streamline everyone should just be gay honestly
0: yeah, I, I do want to talk about sort of uh, that aspect of things, but before we go into that, I want to bring up something you mentioned, which is um, the term queer. Now, I um, I understand most of the terms, but with queer, it's one that has eluded me because I've looked it up and it seems to give different definitions. Is there is there a specific definition of queer, or could you explain it a bit more? Because I'm not fully up to scratch I don't with
1: think it. There's a there's a definition of queer. So queer is non-defining, in my opinion. That's how I use it. That's how I perceive it. Um, It's non-defining, you know, I don't like for, I wouldn't like for one day to be like, am I bi? One day, am I gay? One day, am I straight? You know, do I like this guy because I'm straight and I am lying and having a gender crisis about everything else? I just think it's so unnecessary because gender doesn't really exist and you are attracted to a human being if you're attracted to a human being, not a human gender. So for me, queer is just a kind of, broad spectrum to say that i'm not defined by anything that i can't be defined by um any of those sexualities because it could be different you know if aliens landed down on this earth and they called them something and having sex with them was called a certain sexuality like i would be that because i'd probably have sex with it so i'm queer like my i'm just all over the fucking place
0: Mm, yeah it's it's one of those things as well because the way you've uh described it makes me sound like um when you have someone to the start of someone's initials if they're a woman you can have miss missus or mother's ms and ms just means basically none of your fucking business that's almost what quit from what you've described it, it's almost like oh what sexuality are you queer is in it doesn't really matter and if that if i tell you queer and there's anything other than okay then there's a problem because it just doesn't actually matter at the end of the day as long as i'm not trying to shag you like it doesn't matter so is that kind of yeah. a vague
1: Yeah, unless you're trying to shag me, which is the hottest term ever. I don't know why Americans don't use it, please. I don't want us to ruin it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's not really necessary. Like, if I'm close with people, like, obviously, if my girlfriends, like, I'll be like, I'm more inclined to women for this, and and this, and that, and that. And I only like men for this. And, like, that's obviously, like, personal conversation. But, like, if I'm queer, I'm just queer. Um, And that's really what's just important to me is queer is just the... non like unnecessary definitions so
0: mm.
1: recognizing that you don't need unnecessary definitions of your sexuality
0: mm, i see and um would you mind telling me this is uh <laughs> this is getting into the more sort of genuine chit chat after dark sort of questions but um <laughs> when it comes to okay you you obviously you were in porn let's be blunt here that's um you used to be
1: long time like four or five years
0: <laughs> there we go so like out of interest, in that realm and also outside of that, with sex, do you find that? Obviously, because you said you have generally more emotional connection with uh, women and you use men for their members, is it more so? Sort of, do you find one gender in general is better than another gender at for yourself? Or like, I'm always intrigued by someone who is either who, who does who slept with both genders, and if there is, because there's obviously there's the stereotype that men are bad at sex, which most men will probably say. I'm I'm the exception. I'm not. And I'm thinking with one of the jokes of Megan is that look, you could cheat on me with any guy. I could maybe keep up to scratch with most guys. If you cheat on me with a woman, there is no way. If you cheat on me with Kerry, she's going to make you come like no one ever has. There's no way I can, can compete with that. Is that the true... Is that the actual... Is that is that actually true out of interest? or <laughs>
1: So there's a difference here. I personally... I think they're better for different reasons. I can't say one is better or the other because the reasons are so different. Hmm. Like there's a very physical domineering kind of carnal thing when it comes to me with men. And that's usually like a short lasting thing that I really need. Emotionally, they're just, I don't want to say they're dumb. They're just, I haven't met one yet. That is like there with me Hmm. mentally, spiritually, um, mostly mentally, um, but women in bed is such an encapsulating experience. It's not just this carnal act, it's encapsulating. I'm thinking about her, I'm like, it's very like mental, physical, and spiritual. So it hits all three. Not to mention, they actually know what they're doing because they own they have the same, you know, infrastructure here. No fumbling
0: around trying to find the right spot. They already know where it is. They
1: they know what they're doing. And it just seems like they care more. Like,
0: and that's the end of part one thanks as always for tuning in guys as I said at the start if you are listening slightly before or on the 8th of March please go wish a Rachel happy birthday on Twitter or something like that I'm sure it would mean the world to her and also if you cannot wait for part two of our chat which does delve into the porn industry and things and Rachel's time in there if you really want to know about that and you can't wait till next week then please support me on Patreon it is at patreon.com slash genuine chit chat there is information in the show notes and whatnot but as I said you'll get the full unsplit episode uh, right now and you'll also get access to the prior episode that was a two-parter a couple weeks ago uh, with Jack of Just Conversation Pod and then you also get the Afterthoughts episodes as well uh, which is a new show myself and Megan are doing we're releasing at least one episode a week we're trying to do two episodes a week Uh, we're doing a Star Wars watch through so we're doing those as well as a different film that's not to do with Star Wars uh, in the week as well so far we have released uh, Watchmen uh, the movie uh, the series one of Witcher Phantom Menace Star Wars we're going to be recording our views on Division shortly. We've done The Queen's Gambit as well, and we've also recorded several others too. So if you want to check that out, go ahead. If you don't, there's no pressure at all, and you can wait till next week like the rest of you guys. So I just appreciate you guys checking the show out. And I also want to quickly add, if you check out patreon.com slash Genuine Chits Chat, you can find our views on The Witcher series one completely for free, as well as our views on Star Wars The Phantom Menace completely for free as well. So you can go on there, listen to those two posts. You'll have to scroll down a little bit when you go on there, even if you don't have an account. But you can listen to those two Afterthoughts episodes completely for free. And then if you enjoy them loads and you really want part two of this conversation with Rachel Midori, then you know you can go and support. But just thought I'd throw that out there, guys. And I'm going to stop going about Patreon now. Thanks a lot so what else have we got coming up i recently recorded an episode with steve j ray now you may remember steve j ray from the episode last week with professor elemental Uh, me and steve had plans to have a conversation with a certain individual they were a no-show and i don't know if they're gonna be coming on the show again Uh, we'll kind of see how things play out over the next couple months but me and steve while we were waiting had a really cool chat and we just ended up talking about comic books and alan moore and a few other cool things as well so you know in next week there will be part two of the chat with rachel but then the week after that will then be the chat with uh steve j ray i've got a few other things in the pipeline that i have not yet got explicitly confirmed i've been confirming them to the guys on patreon but i don't want to confirm it here just in case uh but yeah cool few cool things coming up and this year is turning really promising you know it, it's a lot of fun and as i said in the intro as well you know rachel midori is starting up her own podcast called trauma sauna that should be out with the first episode in april i've included a link to that in the show notes too in addition to that, I've recently been on the Podcasts We Listen To show. I've included a link to that in the description like I do with all of the recent collaborations and guest spots I've done. Uh, I spoke about genuine chit-chat for the first part of about 30 minutes or so, and then the second part I just spoke about Star Wars and Star Wars Comics in Canon as well. So it was a really, really fun chat with Jeremy Collins. Please go check out Podcasts We Listen To if you guys haven't, and if you're on the search for new podcasts and things, go on the Facebook page of Podcasts We Listen To because they have each week great threads all about, you know, different genres of podcasts and what you can get into and stuff and there's there's loads of cool things there too in addition, I was on episode seventy-six of Frank Burton's Ragbag Podcast, and in addition to that, me and Megan were also on the Fifty Two Love Podcast in early February. So lots of different things to get your teeth into there, as well as a few other things in the show notes. And the other thing I always could talk about at the end here is my other show, Star Wars Comics and Canon. It's on the feed of Comics in Motion, so go check that out. I've started uploading the episodes onto YouTube as well. I'm about ten episodes behind on Genuine Chit Chats YouTube, and I've got a few artwork things to sort out too. But if you want to hear about Star Wars comics whether or not you've ever read a Star Wars comic before in your entire life if you just like Star Wars even if you've only seen the original trilogy and you want more information about certain characters I've got you covered because I tackle the prequel era the sequel era the original era I tackle certain I do character bios I do events I do like different aspects of things like how did C-3PO get his red arm that was a really early episode I think episode four something like that how Kylo Ren got his red lightsaber I'm going to be tackling how Darth Vader got his red lightsaber in the future Uh, there's loads of cool things as well well, there's even a comic series called The Journals of Old Ben Kenobi when Obi-Wan was on Tatooine, you know, basically waiting for Luke to get old enough for him to be able to train and things while he was in exile. There's a mini-series essentially on that that I also tackle. So there's loads of different things there. D- more stuff about Darth Maul. I've done the biography of Count Dooku and loads of other things too. So make sure you go check out that show. It was It's a lot of fun to do. And as I said, every Saturday I release an episode of that. Every Sunday I release an episode of Genuine Chit Chat. And if you're a Patreon, you get Afterthoughts episodes in the week as well so there's content coming out of my ears and well really it's content coming out of my mouth and going straight into your ears but that sounds uh, a little bit off maybe maybe that's more of the sort of thing to say in part two of this chat with Rachel Midori because it fits in a lot more nicely there with the sort of subject matter and whatnot. But but um, yeah thank you as always for listening guys I really appreciate each and every one of you giving my show a go listening especially all the way up to the end here where I just ramble on for ages and things I really hope you enjoyed part one of the chat with Rachel Midori send her love on social media because I know she would really really appreciate it. And as always, guys, um, I will talk to you all next week.